Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is God's word. You may be seated. Thanks, Wes. Well, I want to welcome those of you who are at home. Uh, if you are at home, you have no idea. It is an absolute mess up here, and it's a glorious mess because we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Now, we left off on Friday night having reflected upon what Christ did on the cross, that, that Jesus took upon himself the full and complete wrath of God for the sins of those who would trust in him. And that was certainly sober, and we were reflecting upon that. But yet, right away, when we were done, uh, I wasn't here, uh, but I, people were kind of gathering, hanging out together. We're kind of enjoying being together. And then there's this anticipation. As soon as that's done, we're anticipating Sunday. I mean, we've been anticipating this for a year. We have been anticipating this particularly since Friday. Some of us have different family functions that happen over this weekend. Maybe there's special meals that you have or different things that you do. Maybe there are some traditions that you did this morning before you came or you got a special meal planned for afterwards. So we have all this great anticipation. When we go to Friday, we remember about what Christ has done, but we know what happened and we're fired up about it. Even though it's sobering, it's humbling, uh, we, we, we aren't left sad when we walk out the room. That was not the experience of the individuals that Wes just read about here in this text. That was not the experience of the individuals who were there on Friday night and who experienced Saturday. They weren't reflecting on Friday. They had just witnessed an execution and there wasn't really a funeral after that. Then when they came to Saturday, they weren't anticipating on Saturday. They didn't come to Saturday kind of like, oh, Sunday's coming. No, they were experiencing overwhelming sorrow. And then even as Sunday came, we came excited. We came early. We were here anticipating this was happening. We were jumping up and down 
Because of what Jesus has done, when they got to Sunday, the events that unfolded were a complete surprise to them. They aren't a surprise to us. We're looking back. But they were a surprise to them because they were in the spot of being hopeless. Their dreams were dashed. Their Savior who had appeared was defeated. And maybe you are here this morning, or maybe you're watching at home, and you're experiencing disappointment in your life. This isn't what I anticipated. This isn't what I was expecting would happen to me. This is hard. Maybe you experienced challenges in a local church, and you've been hurt by that. And so when you come, you kind of, there's some, there's some question, there's some wondering, there's some disbelief. Is this real? Are these people just crazy? Well, you are identifying with those on that Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And so let's take a look at what they experienced. Because what, here's what I know. Even though they were in that place, and that may be a sobering place, and you may be in that place, God wants to speak to you. God wants you to experience the surprise of Sunday morning. God wants you to have that fresh encounter with Jesus. So let's take a look at the story. But we're going to start back in verse 42 of chapter 15. As we look at Friday's funeral, which wasn't really much of a funeral because there weren't many there. So the execution had happened, and this is where we are. If you look at your Bibles at Mark chapter 15, verse 42. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath. So it's Friday, the day of preparation. It's the day before the Sabbath. They're preparing for the Sabbath. And it says, and evening had come. What that means in, for the Jews, that, that, for them, that kind of meant like from three to six o'clock at night. It wasn't, it wasn't like six to nine at night, even though that was evening as well, because at, at six at night, approximately, when the sun went down, that was the start of the next day. That was the start of the Sabbath, and that was serious. You didn't want to do any work on the Sabbath. So that's what's happening. We're at this point in time, and there's a man named Joseph of Arimathea that we learn about in verse 43. It says he's a respected member of the council who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God. He took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. So something to note about Joseph of Arimathea. So he's, he's likely a wealthy individual because to do what he's about to do uh, costs money, money that most people didn't have, whether it's to get the tomb or to get the spices to prepare the body. And this guy had a, a position of authority, a position of influence amongst the people who just put Jesus on the cross to see him die. And he's dead. And it would have been the easiest thing for someone in that point. I mean, all of the disciples had scattered at that point, pretty much. And uh, everybody else had scattered. But yet he wants to go to a dead body, which would have been taboo for him, kind of, because if he touches a dead body, he's kind of defiling himself and he needs to, he's unclean. He can't carry out various duties. But there's something, there's something going on for Joseph that he, he takes the step of courage and goes to Pilate and asks for the body 
of Jesus. Knowing that if, if his colleagues found out, he could be put out of the synagogue. Knowing that he could lose his position of influence or even income. There was something about Christ. Even though there, there was all this obviously confusion and sadness, he's gone, he's dead, he takes the step of faith and he goes and he asks Pilate. And then it says Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, meaning Jesus. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. Now, there's some people who have tried to say, well, Jesus just fainted on the cross. He didn't actually die on the cross. Look, Pilate's not going to give the body of Jesus to anyone. He's afraid of the Jews. He's afraid there's going to be an insurrection of people going to kind of be angry in an angry mob because they already wanted Barabbas to be set free instead of Jesus, and he would have had none of that. There's no way he is going to release a body that's not dead. And he gets confirmation of it. It's dead. He gets confirmation from the centurion. He's dead. So he lets Joseph have the corpse. And then it says in verse 46, and Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. would have been an experience of finality, of, of hopelessness, of confusion, of, wait a minute, Jesus was just here teaching us. I don't know if you've ever been at a gravesite after a funeral, after the service is over, when they, they lower the casket down into the ground. Rarely do people stay for that because the emotions are are too much to handle, often too much to handle for the family because when that hits the ground, when it's laid in the ground and the dirt starts to come over, there is a, a devastation, an emotional turmoil, the, the finality, like this is, this is really happening. And that would be likely what Joseph would have experienced. And there were a few onlookers because it says Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were saw where he was laid. So the, who knows? Maybe they were off to the side. Maybe they were just kind of observing this happening because they saw where he was laid. And when this happened, boom. Hopelessness. Hurt. What's going on? Maybe you have experienced that in your life and you're you're wondering what, what is going on. And then we go to Saturday. And they're still in that place. And, and Saturday, there's sorrow. Saturday's sorrow. Even in this text, the, Mark doesn't give us any details about Saturday. He stops Friday night, and then he goes to Sunday morning. The Gospel of John doesn't give us any details about Saturday. The Gospel of Luke gives us some, a little bit of detail. It, it says that the, the women kind of, they rested. Why would they be resting? Well, they, they, this was the Sabbath. It would have been sin for them against God to do anything on the Sabbath. I mean, Joseph just had a few hours to get all this done, to put Jesus in the tomb. It was likely unfinished, as we'll come to the 
first verse in the next chapter because they were going to bring some spices. It wasn't done yet. But they couldn't go anywhere. So the greatest loss that many of them had ever experienced, they just had to sit and wait. They weren't waiting in anticipation like we were waiting yesterday. They were sitting agonizing, knowing that the only thing they had left to do was to go and do the final preparations for the one that they loved. I mean, think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. On Saturday, think of the the piercing of the soul of a mother who had just lost a child. Think of Peter, who on that day would have experienced overwhelming guilt and shame for having denied his Savior three times. And he's just sitting there waiting, agonizing. This is, he's disillusioned. Think of John, who had just lost his, his closest, most intimate friend, being known as the disciple that Jesus loved. That's he would have been in that place. Now he has the responsibility to care not only for his own family, but for Jesus' family as well. Because on the cross, Jesus asked him to take care of his mother. And so he's got this weight now of another family to take care of. And Jesus is gone. Or even Mary Magdalene, who would have had great respect and affection for Christ is in the despair of losing a friend. I've sat with people experiencing these emotions when they've lost their loved ones. The pain of grief is overwhelming. It often comes in waves. Sometimes there's anger that just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, why did this happen? Other times there's just tears that come and flow and you can't stop them no matter what you do. Sometimes there is a tangible pain, not a pain that's come from someone cutting you or poking you, but it just feels like someone's stabbing you from the inside out. Sometimes there's an unexplainable numbness where you can't feel anything. And all these emotions come wave after wave after wave. Some of you have experienced those. That's the experience of Saturday. And the reality for us, friends, is without the resurrection, that's our life. Without the resurrection, the sorrow of Saturday is all there is. Without the resurrection, all there is is hopelessness and despair. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. All of this is a sham. All of this is a waste of time if the resurrection doesn't happen. We're lost. I don't get places of worship that gather and don't lift high the name of Jesus. I don't get it. There's, it's pointless. 
What's the point? If Jesus has not been raised, you know, if Jesus has not been raised, I would rather be home hung over because I wouldn't be able to live with the challenges of my life. That's where I would be. And that's where many people are. The greatest thing they got to do was to celebrate the game that they watched last night or the beverages that they drank or the food that they ate because that's all there is. But that's not all there is if the resurrection is real. And that is the experience that, the, that those who, who came to the tomb experienced on Sunday because Sunday was truly a surprise for them. They weren't coming like we were coming. They weren't eager. They didn't have greeters at the door of the tomb greeting them with smiles. That, that didn't happen. No, actually, this is what happened. Look at verse 1 of chapter 16. When the Sabbath was passed, so Saturday's over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They went really early. They went really early because they were anticipating going and finishing the task. They would have preferred to have finished the task uh, when Joseph had put Jesus in the tomb, but they couldn't because of their obedience to God and the Sabbath. So they're waiting to go and finish this task to hopefully put this behind them. The grief is still there. So they're going, and they're even saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? They're so distraught that they've prepared the things that they need to go to, to take care of Jesus' body, and they forget, oh, we might need someone to help us move this stone away from the entrance of the tomb. They're so distraught, they forget about that, that very huge detail. And, to, and don't think, some people go, well, maybe they went to the wrong place. They went to the wrong tomb. That's, that's, the, that's the deal. No, it says in verse 47, they, they saw where he was laid. They were watching. I forget directions to places all the time. But there are clearly times where you go somewhere and you have an experience that is so profound, you, you could go there blindfolded, right? That was their experience. They, they didn't go to the wrong place. This is what their experience. Look at verse 4. And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. So they look up, they see the stone. Now for them, what's not noted here is the guards are missing. Now that wasn't a note for them because they didn't know the guards were there in the first place. Because it was the Jews who broke the Sabbath to have the guards come. They went to Pilate and said, hey, will you put some guards there? The cowards themselves couldn't go and sit at the tomb to watch to make sure that no one came to take the body. They broke the Sabbath. They dishonored God because they cared more about their own position than they did about honoring God. So they sent these centurions to be at the tomb, but these ladies didn't know that. That happened after they were gone. So they don't even notice the fact that they're not there, but here for us, we know from Matthew, that they were supposed to be there. They're not there. 
Now, if you're a centurion and you have a job and you don't do that job, you don't just get fired. They kill you. So don't think that it was, oh, well, the the guards, they let someone take the body. They were bribed. I don't know anyone who takes a bribe uh, so that uh, knowing that they would die. They're not going to take a bribe. They would have been standing there. The only thing that would have caused them to move would have been some angelic being, and that's clearly what happened. Something that they had never encountered in their life probably put them on their faces. So the ladies go in. They come to the tomb, and it says they enter the tomb, and they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. They were alarmed. They were, they were slowly coming in, probably coming in the dark. There weren't, there weren't lights in there, and it was dark. And as they come in, probably as their eyes start to adjust, they see someone then in there, and, and they're shocked. Kind of like when I'm in my house and I walk around a corner, one of my kids jumps out and goes, ha, ah! and tries to scare me. It's all fun and games at our house, and we think that's hilarious. But that wasn't the job of this individual who's seated there. The job of this individual, he wasn't trying to scare them. They were alarmed because they're completely disillusioned. Wait a minute, Jesus' body was right here. How in the world did that stone get rolled away? Jesus' body, and there's some guy here, and we're not really sure who he is, what he's, what he's doing here. But this is what he tells them. Because he's there to, to share a message. He's there to comfort them. And he says to them in verse 6, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. God is caring for them. He didn't have to send an angel. He didn't ha- he, they could have just come and the tomb would have been empty. But no, he wanted to make sure they understood what happened because they wouldn't understand. They would have walked in the tomb and their mind would have gone all different places. Did someone come? Did someone steal the body? What, what's going on? They would have been afraid. They would have been afraid on a different level. But God loves them. God cares for them. And he brings a messenger for them, and he calls them to go and do something. He he calls them to go and to share. Look at verse 7. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Well, we know they ended up telling Peter and John, because then they come running to the tomb to check everything out. So it's not saying that they didn't tell anyone, anyone, but they're, they're completely confused. They're, they're, their minds can't wrap their heads, they can't, can't wrap around what, what's happened. Like, Jesus was dead, and now this guy in a white robe is telling us, He's not here. He's going to come meet us. And, and so they're, they're walking. They're, they're walking to go talk to the disciples. And as people come by, they're kind of looking at the ground like, I, I, we can't talk to other people. We don't get what's going on. They're kind of confused. What's, what's going on here? It's, it's something they can't take in. It's hard for them to understand what has happened. And when you first hear the gospel call to follow Jesus, that if you, if you repent of your sins 
and believe in the Lord Jesus that you will be saved, that can be disorienting because it seems too good to be true. Like, no way. I'm, no, there's something, there is a catch here. And you can kind of feel that being disoriented, but I can assure you, as sure as Jesus rose from the dead, that he is risen. And you can trust in him. And if you've never trusted in him, I want to encourage you to come and speak with me after the service today or speak with someone that you came with today because today could be the day where you acknowledge, yes, he is risen just as he said because that tomb is empty. There's a great mystery for people who try to deny that Jesus rose from the dead, but no one has been able to produce a body. In all the archaeological digs that are out there, no one has been able to produce a body. Why? Because there's no body to be found. Because he's seated at the right hand of God. And then these women would then go and tell the disciples of what was going on, and they would go and give their lives, and we know how the story goes as you read the book of Acts. You know, these men gave their lives because they encountered Christ who rose from the dead, and he appeared to numerous people affirming that, yes, Jesus rose from the dead. And then those men gave their very lives, suffering, sacrificing, putting to death the lie that, oh, they stole the body. No one, none of the disciples benefited. Like, it's not like it was easy for them. They lived lives of hardship, and most of them died because they were crucified or stoned or any other means. They wouldn't die for a dead man. No one's going to die for a dead man. They died for one who is alive. And we today, friends, we today, friends, we gather in anticipation. We didn't have to walk from Friday to Sunday because of the, the way that they walked from Friday to Sunday. When we were here on Friday, we were reminded of the amazing victory that Jesus won on the cross. When he said, it is finished. Rather than us being sad, we can rejoice. And now as we come to this day, we can know the truths about what Christ says over us. I think it was captured well by Bishop Melito of Sardis. He said this. He's like, Jesus says this. I am your forgiveness. I am the Passover of your salvation. I am the lamb which, you, which was sacrificed for you. I am your ransom. I am your light. I am your savior. I am your resurrection. I am your king. I am leading you up to the heights of heaven. I will show you the eternal father. I will raise you up by my right hand. That's the good news that we have as we come to this day. And it doesn't have to be disorienting for us. So even if we came to this day with some of the weights and some of the hurts that this world has thrust upon us, even if we come to this day without a clear path of seeing that, that trial end, we can still have hope we can still be surprised because there's a reality that he is risen, which means that everything that he said is true. Everything that he said about you is true. 
that his salvation is real, that your eternity is sealed. It is finished. The stamp is there. He is risen. So let the sorrow, if you have sorrow as you've come today, let that be turned to celebration. Because our hope isn't in the things that we deal with right now being taken care of. Though the Lord does, as we pray, the Lord does meet us and take us through trials and he meets us, but that's not where our hope is. Our hope is found in the hand of Christ, our King, who went to the cross, who died the death that we deserved. But then he didn't stay in the grave because that grave is empty. Because as we said as we said numerous times today, he is risen. He's not in the grave. Let's pray. Father, Father, I'm aware as we come this morning that there are some who are here that didn't come ready to celebrate because they have been experienced weights. They've experienced sadness. They've experienced hurt, maybe even betrayal. And I pray right now, Father, that you would touch each and every one. Maybe there's some who are at home that can't be here for different reasons. Lord, I pray that, that on this day, you would remind them of the greatest thing that you have done, the greatest mercy that you have bestowed, and how Jesus sealed the deal with his victory by raising, by defeating the grave. And I pray, God, that that would be our hope as we leave here today. That would be our hope, not just today, but tomorrow and every Sunday, because every Sunday we gather to celebrate. And I pray, God, that you would give us that anticipation every Sunday morning that we're coming to gather to celebrate. That's why we celebrate on Sunday, because we're celebrating that Jesus is alive. And Lord, I pray that we'd be able to minister that to one another throughout the week and that our hope would be found in the hand of Christ, our King. So we ask this, Lord, as we continue our celebration that he is risen. We thank you, God, for rising him from the dead. We ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.